Have you ever played that game with Jesus? You know the one where you pray and say, Jesus, if I had a little more faith, I would be a better Christian. If I had a little more faith, I would be more involved in mission projects and more committed to the work of the church. If I had a little more faith, I would tell more people about you and invite more people to come to church. So Jesus, give me more faith. Is it possible that we're not really praying for faith at all? Could it be that what, we, what we're really praying for is for God to make things easier for us? Perhaps what we really want is for God to do some finger snapping or nose wagging and make it happen. God, just change me or change the situation. Or God, why don't you just go ahead and take care of this yourself? Dr. Bond suggests in this powerful and provocative sermon that the central problem for the disciples and for us is not a lack of faith. The problem is that we don't use what we have. Here now, Dr. Lee Bond. Thank you, Dr. Lowe. It's good to have you back with us after a little bit of a break. Good to see you. And again, uh, good morning. Great to see you. Football fans here, anybody? Got a few? Uh, it's, uh, we're in midseason, and things are uh, getting serious now, but uh, favorite story is about a uh, football player named Randy Johnson, not with the Christian Church Foundation, but uh, the nephew of former President Lyndon Johnson. Uh, Randy played quarterback for Oklahoma State University, and it's uh, <clears throat> just a great story about him. It, it, it had not been a good season for OSU, and the final game was against their bitter rivals, uh, the mighty Sooners from Oklahoma. Uh, OSU played a great game, uh, but they were down by six points with uh, just seconds to go with the ball on their own 20-yard line. It's time for one more play. And so the coach called a timeout. He put all the seniors in for the last play so that they could say that they ended their career on the playing field. And he told Randy, just call whatever play you want. Just get it over with. To his surprise, and uh, to the teammate's surprise, uh, Randy called play 13. Uh, it was a trick play that had never been used before in a game because it had never worked in practice. <laughs> well, you guessed it, the impossible happened. Play 13 worked, and OSU won. The fans went wild. Randy was carried off the field. Great celebration. Later, his coach asked, why in the world did you call play 13? It's never worked. And Randy said, you know, we were in the huddle, and I looked at Harry and Ralph with tears in their eyes. It was their last game, and I saw number eight on Harry's jersey and number seven on Ralph's jersey, and, and so I added eight and seven together, and I called play 13. <laughs> Coach said, Randy, eight and seven don't add up to 13. Randy thought for a moment and said, gosh, you're right, coach. <laughs> but if I'd been as smart as you are, we wouldn't have won the game. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Uh, the point of the story, or one of them at least, is that knowledge will only take us so far. Uh, sometimes grace happens. Uh, 
there is much in this world that uh, we do not understand or know. Uh, we are all somewhat like Albert Einstein's wife, I think. She was asked one time if she could make sense of his theories. She said she understood the words, but not the sentences. Hmm. And I think that something with which we can relate. When it comes to making sense out of life, we often understand the words, the parts sometimes, but we don't always understand the sentences. And the situation is getting more and more challenging, as you know. A few months ago, the chief technology uh, officer of Microsoft US uh, was in Louisville and uh, during a lecture made a startling statement. <clears throat> she said, in the next 10 years, we will see... 250 years worth of change. Think about that. In the next 10 years, we'll see 250 years worth of change. A recent analysis by IBM predicted that within a few years, the amount of knowledge in the world will double every 12 minutes. Yo! She said, even now, 2.5 quintillion bits of information are added to the information pool every day. That's 2.5 with 18 zeros after. Wow. You know, some knowledge may become obsolete before the next exam is taken. I mean, it's, it's crazy. Thank God we are not saved by our knowledge because we won't be able to keep up with all this stuff. We're not saved by what we know, for then only the most brilliant among us uh, could enter into the realm of God. If we were saved by knowledge, a lot of us would be in trouble. So uh, we're also not saved by our works. This may be a little bit more difficult to comprehend because a lot of us like to do good works. And we think we'd get some credit for that. Uh, so, uh, but we cannot earn our way into the realm of God with our good works. No sacrifice could ever be great enough to guarantee the favor of God. That's all about grace. Sometimes someone pointed out that there is badness in goodness at times. It's what can happen when we begin to believe that we are saved by our own accomplishments and our own hard work. So we're also not saved by our good works, although good works are certainly an important part of living out our Christian faith. We are saved by our faith, by the grace of God, and this tension between work and faith is described in today's text. Jesus says, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this tree, be uprooted and go jump in the lake. The words appear right before this obscure parable of the dutiful servant. Jesus tells his friends, hey, you don't need any more faith. You've got enough. You just need to use what you have and use that in dedicated service to God. That said, we have to acknowledge that just like last week's story, this parable of Jesus is, is not one of our favorites. Anybody here have this for your favorite passage? I doubt it. It includes no heroic figure like the story of the Good Samaritan. It doesn't tug at our heartstrings like the prodigal son's story. This parable describes a servant who works a long, hard day for hours and then is expected to come in and fix dinner for the master. If Jesus told the parable today, he would probably substitute the word employee in for slave or servant, but the point would be the same. Does your servant deserve thanks for doing what's already expected? 
In the parable, the implied answer is clearly no. And Jesus then turns the story on the disciples who are begging Jesus, please increase our faith, increase our faith, make it easier on us. The mistake we often make is the assumption that faith must be of the spectacular variety to be valid. It's hard for us to grasp that a little faith doing little deeds of kindness and love are as important as anything will ever do. But sometimes it's even hard to hold on to that mustard seed faith, especially with the challenges that are happening in our country and world right now. A child wrote a letter to God and she, she said, Dear God, are you for real? Dear God, are you for real? Some people don't think so, she wrote. So if you are, you'd better do something quick, <laughs> right? This may be the way we feel at times. Sometimes our faith and daily life seem to be at odds, and our profession of faith can, can easily turn into a depression of faith. Oh, God, where are you in the midst of all this? It's kind of like the elderly woman who took a flight on a plane for the first time in her life and heard this alarming announcement over the plane's intercom. The captain came on and said, our number four engine's been shut off because of mechanical trouble, but don't worry about it. Right. <clears throat> he said, we'll fly with three engines and we will land on schedule. And I have good, good news for you. We have four pastors on board who are coming home from a conference. Whoopee. The woman called for a flight attendant, and she said, would you tell the captain that I would rather have four engines than four pastors? <laughs> Amen. Garrison Keeler talked about the uh, challenge to remain faithful in the face of adversity in something he wrote called The Meaning of Life. He said, woofing is not the last word. And by woofing, that, that translation is just barking. It's dog speak, all right? Woofing. We have a lot of woofing going on right now. He said, woofing is not the last word. Good and right intentions can sometimes be muddled by a woofing. To know and serve God is why we are here. A clear truth that like the nose on your face is near at hand and easily discernible but can make us dizzy if we try to focus on it too hard. Try staring at your nose for a while and see how you feel. But he says, a little faith will see us through. When things go temporar temporarily to the dogs, uh, we cats must learn to have faith that, that uh, this, all this woofing is not the last word. What is the last word then, he asks. He says, gentleness. Gentleness is everywhere in daily life, a sign that faith rules through the ordinary things like cooking and small talk, storytelling, sports, music, books, raising kids, all the places where the gravy soaks in and the grace shines through. So let's hang on to whatever faith we have. Jesus says only a small amount is enough. It's not how much we believe. It's that, that God believes in us. 
We are created in God's image. Think about that. We're created in God's image. And, and we're invited to follow. And I think we also have to think about the language in the text a bit here, because early translations of this story leave out that word worthless, so you can toss that. And they use the word servants instead of slaves. I think servants is a better translation. William Barclay proclaims we are servants, but that's enough. And that's the point of this parable, he says, in relationship to God, we are servants always, and we're to do what is expected, even if it sometimes sounds joyless. But there are a couple things we can say about that as well. When we act in faith, there will be times when someone says thank you in such a heartfelt way that it buoys our spirit. In fact, it's unlikely that we can live out our Christianity in faithful ways without receiving Occasional expressions of profound gratitude. You all have experienced that. Jesus just cautions us that we should serve God because it's the right thing to do and not out of a hunger for some divine rewards. And doing the right thing brings a kind of satisfaction of its own. We, we see it happen in our relationships as well. Someone tells of the early days of his marriage when there was a friction in the home because he assumed that she would do the housework. I'm getting close to home to anybody here. Uh, but she also had a full-time job, just like he did. And after several confrontations, he finally decided to help out. And the first thing he did was tackle the kitchen, did all the dishes, wiped the counters off, swept the floors, mopped the floors. Beautiful, everything was neat and tidy and shining. And then he sat down and eagerly waited for her to come home. And she did. She seemed to notice the work, didn't say a word. Finally, he could stand it no longer. Did you see that I cleaned up the kitchen? Don't you appreciate it? And she said, I'm glad you did the work, honey, but we both live here and keeping it clean is just a part of our responsibilities. <laughs> I've never been thanked and I don't expect it. It's just, this is what we do. Took a little while for him to readjust his pride and uh, thinking, but he got it. And then he kept doing his fair share he never really enjoyed it, but he began to take satisfaction in the partnership in that relationship and keeping their place looking good. I think in a similar way, there can be a certain kind of satisfaction in serving God, even when no thanks seems to be forthcoming. I see that all the time among you all out there who, who are working behind the scenes. You don't expect recognition. You just do the work. Faithfully, steadily, you're not waiting for thank yous. You just do the work. Thank you. <laughs> Jesus teaches us to stay away from this notion of entitlement and privilege and reminds us that we do not earn our way into God's realm. It's all about grace, God's amazing graciousness to all of us. It also reminds us it's not about the quantity of our faith, but putting our faith into action. 
There was a woman in the community who was well known for her simple faith and great calm in the midst of many trials uh, that she had experienced. And a, a newcomer to town uh, heard about her from some other people and decided, I, I need to meet this person. So she arranged for a visit. And as she knocked on the door, she was welcomed in. They had some small talk for a while. And finally, the new- newcomer said, uh, I-, I understand that you're, you're the woman with, with great faith. I've, I've heard so much about you. And the woman said very humbly, no, no, I'm not the woman with great faith. But I am, I am a woman with a little faith in our great God. Thanks, Dr. Bond, for that wonderful message on faith. There's a lot going on in the life of our community this fall. We invite you to go to www.beargrass.org to find out about all of the events, activities, classes, and small group gatherings. Until next time, peace.